Hello everyone, this is Justin Hibbert, pastor of New Hope Chapel, and today's New Hope Reflection is entitled, The Miraculous Virgin Birth. The virgin birth was a miracle, an incredible miracle. I mean, just imagine Mary for a second. Imagine having to tell your family, your neighbors, your fiancé, for goodness sakes, that you're expecting a baby. But wait, you explain, I'm still a virgin. Can you imagine the response? Ha, right, of course you are. It was a miracle that probably brought a lot of town rumors. What Mary may not have understood at the time was that the miracle of the virgin birth was necessary. First and foremost, the virgin conception protected Jesus from inheriting a sin nature. In Romans 5.12, Paul explains that sin entered the world through one man. However, since Jesus was not conceived by a human man, he was protected from original sin. Secondly, as I mentioned last week in my message on the plan of the Incarnation, the virgin birth remedied an issue regarding Jesus' genealogy. In Numbers 24.17, we are told that a scepter will rise out of Jacob. Specifically, this king will come from the line of kings, the descendants of Judah. In 2 Samuel 7.11-16, the prophet Nathan assures King David that he will be an ancestor to the Messiah. But there was a problem. One of David's descendants, a number of generations later, was a very wicked king named Jehoiakim also known as Jeconiah or Coniah. Because of Jehoiakim's wickedness, the Lord cursed his line in Jeremiah 22:24-30. How then will the Messiah be a king in the order of the royal line of Judah, be a descendant of David while somehow passing over Jehoiakim? The answer is the virgin birth. Matthew 1 records Joseph's genealogy, which is the royal line that includes David and also Jehoiakim. Luke 3 records Mary's line, which includes David, but not the other kings that descended from him. What this means is that the Lord fulfills the promise he made to David, because he is an ancestor of both Mary and Joseph. However, Jesus' right to be king comes from being the adopted son of Joseph. Brilliant, isn't it? I can just imagine Satan laughing at God. Ha ha, you've got a problem. You've made these promises that you have to fulfill, and now you're stuck. Don't you realize sin is passed down by parents? He snickers. Did you forget about your promise to David and your curse to Jehoiakim? Then Gabriel visits Mary. Satan's thrown into a frenzy. Oh, oh, wait, he says. That's impossible. You're cheating. Have you ever been afraid that you'll screw up God's plans? Have you ever thought that if you did something or didn't do something, you'd mess everything up? Maybe you were afraid that if you didn't act, justice wouldn't get done. Maybe you felt like you might fumble in an evangelistic moment, sending someone to the fiery furnace of hell. Maybe you did something intentional. Maybe you got angry at God and said, no way, I'm not doing it, and I'm going to watch your plans fall apart. That's why God does miracles. Sometimes God works outside of the natural order. Think of it like those Superman movies from decades ago. Remember that little boy that was playing on the railing at Niagara Falls and suddenly slipped and plummeted towards his death? The natural order of the world would say that boy is a goner. Fortunately, Superman can bend the rules a little, and his speed is just a little faster than the rate of gravity. A number of years ago, my wife took a class on the Old Testament from a secular Jewish professor. He explained that when they encountered miracles in the reading, they were going to discount it, because those things just don't happen. Well, let me tell you, if those things didn't happen, you, me, and the universe would be doomed. I really appreciated Scott Schuler's message on the anticipation of the Incarnation on Sunday. How often do we not expect God to do something? It's like we're handcuffed by the natural order, unable to imagine or anticipate a God using his superpowers. Or maybe we can imagine an answer to prayer, but only as much as it fits within our understanding of the universe. This struck me this week as an acquaintance of mine shared that her cancer had become so grave that her doctor was going to stop treatments. She is preparing to die. What a terrible ordeal, and I have to admit I'm struggling with it. 
Do I pray for God to do a miracle? Or do I look at the evidence, the natural order of things, and pray for her to be at peace with what seems to be her inevitable outcome? I'm reminded of the story of the fiery furnace in Daniel 3, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell King Nebuchadnezzar, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Did you catch what they said? God is able. What powerful words and what appeared to be a helpless situation. In this season of Advent, I want us to seek God. I want us to spend some serious time asking God for heavenly perception. We've seen the natural order. We see our limits every day. Let's ask God to allow us to start seeing and believing that He is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine. Thank you.